Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one ecumenical page of Talmud a day. My guest today is one of my favorite people in media and in general. She is Ashley McKinless, the co-host of Jesuitical, which is one of really the greatest podcasts in the world that you absolutely have to listen to, and an associate editor at America Magazine, both of which we should say are the premier media outlets of intellectual, fierce, young, hip Catholics working today. Hello, Ashley. Hello. It is such a joy to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. I love America Magazine. I, I frequently joke, and in fact, you've corroborated this for me, that I am the only Leibowitz who subscribes. This is true. Uh, and I, I love Jesuitical. And the reason we're, we're having this conversation uh, about this particular page of Talmud is because I came across this tiny little passage hiding, as the good ones always do, amidst other intricate discussions. And here it goes. So the rabbis are talking about the people that they call very kindly the heretics, those who practice sorcery. And they're trying to figure out what should be done with those who live next to us who hold very, 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 very different beliefs. And here it goes. And the sages inferred, you shall not learn to do, but you may learn to understand and to teach the topic of sorcery. Apparently, merely learning about sorcery does not violate a prohibition. Only acting upon that learning is prohibited. Which really struck me as an incredible sentiment from, you know, ancient rabbis to say, hey, look, guys, you're obviously not allowed to practice other religions, but you should absolutely take the time not only to learn them, but also to teach them. So I, I'm really wondering, as someone who takes her faith very seriously and as someone who is, again, one of the premier Catholic broadcasters uh, and editors and, and writers out there, how does this sentiment strike you as an ancient yet surprisingly modern encouragement to learn from other faith traditions? Yeah, well, so am I the heretic in this context? <laughs> uh, you could choose. You could be a sorceress. Okay. No, but so what I was going to say is, I don't know what century this was written in, but it certainly resonates today. In fact, so we're recording this on May 15th. Yesterday, Pope Francis joined leaders of every religion for a day of prayer, fasting, and charity to ask God to stop the coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, there are certain Catholics who think they're more Catholic than the Pope who accused him of blasphemy and sacrilege and for fasting with infidels. So <laughs> this is certainly a conversation that we're still having. And so as a Catholic, I take Pope Francis's approach to interfaith dialogue, and, and that is being rooted in your own tradition, but open and listening to others. So, you know, when Pope Francis engaged in this interfaith prayer, he didn't go into a mosque and prostrate himself. He, he said a mass. It was authentically Catholic the way he was praying, but he was doing it in dialogue and in solidarity with people of other faiths. That is very beautiful. It, it, of course, surprises me, and yet doesn't surprise me at all that that very measure was uh, seen as problematic, because I, I can totally see a very similar scenario playing out in our court. But I, I want to kind of get a little bit more specific. So mm -hmm. I have a, a long and not-so-secret infatuation with the Catholic Church, particularly with a certain pope, Benedict XVI. And I find that every time I engage with uh, Catholic thought and teaching, 
as I record, by the way, I have the seven-story mountain sitting right here, literally by, by my desk, by the great Thomas Merton. I find that seeing the world through Catholic eyes, through the perspective of very serious, committed Catholics, really kind of spurs me to action because I'm at one and the same time completely awed by their soul and by their fierceness and by their intelligence, and yet also called to defend to myself the tenets of my own faith. And I find that the whole experience is is just exhilarating, really gets me, really kind of strengthen my own resolve and yet my own appreciation for for the other tradition. I'm wondering what it's like for you. Could you share an example or or a guide to how we should go ahead and and do this in in practice? Yeah, so this is actually near and dear to my heart. Um, In college, I studied uh, religious studies. I was at a secular public university, so I couldn't be a theology major like rooted in Catholic teaching. So I was I was coming into my faith at that time, becoming more involved in the Catholic Church, but also studying world religions. And I found the intellectual stimulation I got from that. You know, I took Old Testament with a Jewish scholar and the Jewish approach to scripture um, was something so robust that I hadn't experienced in my own Catholic upbringing. And so, I, you know, I took that and brought it to my own um you know, study of the gospel. Uh, I took this one class. It was it was taught by a Jewish scholar who started this movement called scriptural reasoning. And the idea is you get scholars of Muslim, Judaism, and Christianity together, and you don't try to meet on neutral ground. You very much come with your tradition, with your beliefs, and you study scripture together, and you just see what happens, what interesting insights rise when a Catholic reads the Quran, holding on to her Catholic beliefs, or or when a when a Muslim uh, reads the Old Testament. And so that I found that to be just an eye opening approach because what I had seen in the academy before is this idea that you kind of you reduce conflict by like just meeting on neutral rational ground as opposed to you know, bringing with you your rational religious ideas. And I just, I never ever, I never found that to be the case. I don't, I don't think leaving behind our most sincerely held beliefs is possible or, or helpful when we're engaging with others. Right. And it also makes this kind of odd assumption, right? That there is some kind of, first of all, that there is some kind of objective uh, common ground to which we should aspire. And, and second of all, that that objective common ground can actually be inhabited by real live human beings who have real lives, ideas, and feelings, right? I, I, I love what you're saying, that it is actually way more conducive to come to every discussion and every interaction, uh, specifically from the vantage point of your very uh, dearly and passionately held beliefs, and out of that specificity, uh, develop a an appreciation uh, for an understanding of, at the very least, of of universality. Exactly, and it would be so boring otherwise. You know, Tablet is not geared towards Catholic readers, but I read Tablet because of its specific perspective, and I assume the same is for you for reading America. Like, you wouldn't want a watered down Catholicism that was trying to be palatable to people of every faith. Like, that is just very bland. A hundred percent. I think it was uh, one of my favorite Catholics, G.K. Chesterton, who said, you know, Jews whose name uh, is David Solomon are totally fine. It's the Jews who've changed their name to Phineas McFerty, who you should really kind of <laughs> question, because, you know, why are you trying to run away from, from your own tradition? 
Yeah. And I, I would say my own interaction with the Unorthodox podcast has been one of the most moving examples of this in my own life. And I don't think I would be hosting a Catholic podcast if I hadn't seen the way that you three as Jewish people living in the modern world had created this space where none of you were compromising <laughs> your beliefs. And yet you created a space where people who exist on whatever the spectrum of Judaism is, felt like they could come and be listened to and respected. And so, and it's one of the reasons I love Jesuitical so dearly. It's, it's like listening to us only with a different <laughs> faith system and, and much less interruption. <laughs> Ashley McKinless, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.